Welcome everyone back to another episode of the Team Blaney Podcast. My name is Adam Rogers and alongside me is co-host Steve Mez. The Team Blaney Podcast is brought to you by fans for fans. Steve and I have been diehard followers of the Blaney racing family for two decades. Today we closely follow third generation driver Ryan Blaney who pilots the number 12 Ford Mustang for Team Penske on the NASCAR Cup Series circuit. Each week on the podcast we will review Ryan's latest NASCAR race and then most of the time we're going to preview the race for the upcoming weekend offering news, notes, statistics and analysis. Steve, normally I say welcome back to the podcast, but hey, I, you should be welcoming me back to yeah, the podcast to, this week. Good to see you in person. Glad you made it back <laughs> from uh, Atlanta and other parts unknown. Um, I hopefully you had a good trip down there or yeah. up there. Trip was great. Thank you uh, for you taking the lead on um, recording and editing and uh, bringing your better half, Kate, along. And uh, filling in that co-host seat for for last week's uh, podcast. It was a good episode, and I really enjoyed her uh, uh, what she had to say about the race. Yeah, it was uh, it was really nice that uh, she uh, you know she's very in tune with what the, what's going on, and um, a lot of people who gave me feedback really liked the fact that she knew what she was talking about, and that's that was kind of cool. Um, I didn't really have to coach her or anything like that. She definitely knows what she's she's talking about, and she knows a lot about NASCAR. Yeah, she is a big-time NASCAR fan, and as we've mentioned several times, including on that, that Pocono episode, uh, uh, that's how you guys met. So two big NASCAR fans teamed up, and then you guys teamed up again to uh, co-host the podcast last last week. So uh, once again, thank you for that. This week, we're coming off of a misty, rain-delayed Foxwoods Resort Casino 301 at New Hampshire Motor Speedway, but it was an amazing race overall. Yeah, for not having, um, they decided like um, a couple days beforehand not to put PJ one down because they didn't weren't going to have um, Xfinity run on it, and everybody thought, oh, well, this is going to really make it a bad race. And actually, the racing ended up being really, really good. And we're not just saying that because of Ryan, but there was actually a lot of passing uh, in front throughout the field, and you know the guys who had the better cars. It took a couple laps to set up a pass, but they got it done. You know, it was remind me a little bit of Martinsville, the way it took two or three laps sometimes to get underneath somebody and make a pass. But uh, man, it was it was great racing and great action and uh, great excitement, uh, especially for our guy. Yeah, it just had everything that you really want from a race. It had side by side racing. It had passes for the lead. It had drama. It had intensity. It had like a ticking uh, time clock going on there because the sun was setting. And on TV, I mean, they mentioned it when you, if anyone was watching it on TV that, like, you guys really can't tell how dark it is here because the irises on our can- cameras are open so wide that it, it really brightens things up. But I was, you know, seeing photos that people were posting on Twitter as the race was kind of winding down there, and it was looking pretty dark um, from the stands. So uh, I know a lot of people were saying, ah, oh, they probably could have just gone eight more laps. It would have only taken four more minutes, but... Um, when it gets to that time of day, the sun goes down and it gets dark quickly and, uh, but it made for a pretty dramatic, uh, finish, exciting race. And Hey, why don't we go ahead and talk about Ryan Blaney's weekend at the Foxwood Resorts Casino 301 at New Hampshire Motor Speedway. Ryan Blaney race recap, New Hampshire Motor Speedway. All right. Uh, we had stages of 75, 185 and 301. Well, it ends up being a little shorter than that. Uh, competition costume supposed to be at lap 30. Uh, they had the uh, the 23, the 37, the 7, the double zero, and the 78 for unapproved adjustments and so forth, and uh, they had to go to the back. Uh, of course, like I said, NASCAR decided not to put the PJ1 down. Um, Ryan was starting seventh, 
and 18 car was on the pole. Um, before the race even starts, uh, Josh and Ryan are talking about there's uh, weepers down in one and two below the white line there, and uh, there was water coming up through those. So they were kind of talking about making sure those got dried up before they started, and uh, NASCAR did kind of delay it a lap, I think, here, and uh, they got them in pretty good shape. And, uh, you know, the, the, the starts were pretty good. The restarts, uh, you know, were a good battle. The low line was probably the better line to have if you could have it. Um, but by lap four, uh, Ryan was in eighth at that point, and there were the r- reports of rain. And um, on lap six, rain wins the battle. And uh, what's interesting, you know, they said it on the pro- on the bo- um, on the broadcast it, that the leader is the one who's going to show. In other words, you get to turn one or turn two or wherever the rain is, and the first car that's going to see it and hit it is going to be the leader. And that's the one you're going to see the results of. And unfortunately, it, w- it was the 18 car. Um, Ryan does a great job of avoiding the, all the crashes that are going on. There was two or three of them that spun up in front of him. And uh, they, they did red flag it at lap, uh, lap nine. And he was P5 at that point. You know, what Kyle did afterward is a whole other story. Uh, you can't blame the guy driving the pace car. That's all I really want to say. You know, you could be mad. You can say stuff on the radio. You can get out of the car and give a salty interview. That's fine. You know, what happened to you really was unfortunate. And, you know, maybe it could have been called a lap earlier. But the guy driving the pace car, he's just the guy driving the pace car. And he's not necessarily the guy that calls whether there's rain or not. You know, he's sitting on, he might be sitting on a part of the track where he doesn't see the rain. Yeah. I mean, it was one of those situations. I heard a lot of people using the analogy of, what Kyle did to like an NBA player bumping a, a ref or a, you know, a baseball player bumping the umpire after a bad, you know, balls and strikes call. Um, unfortunately, I mean, where the analogy in that case kind of falls apart a little bit for me is the fact that usually that doesn't end a, a game or something for somebody. In this case, this, the call or the decision to, to go green in the first place sort of ended up ending his race. Uh, Truex, it kind of damaged the car a little bit. He was able to come back from that in the end um, just for like a top 15. Denny Hamlin was okay. He spun, but seemed to be okay. So I can understand Kyle's frustration. His interview following that um, was restrained, but it was like one of those interviews where it was restrained, but it really wasn't because you know like what he wants to say. And he just kept saying, I'm not going to say it because I'm going to, that'll get me in trouble or something like that. So I think that's almost, that's bad enough. I mean, but I don't know. I mean, they're putting a microphone, you know, in the guy's face right after, you know, he starts on the pole, has a ton of momentum, crashes out because of what he considers to be a dumb move by them to start the race in the first place under those damp conditions. So I can't uh, really fault him for being angry at that time. So, um, yeah, so it is what it is. But, yeah, definitely bumping that pace car, I probably wouldn't have. Uh, wouldn't have done that, and he actually, they said he damaged it enough that they had to pull the backup pace car out because the, the bumper cover on the back was damaged. So um, that's unfortunate, but hey, I don't know if uh, they probably, if I was them, I wouldn't fix that damage. I would sell it like that and uh, have Kurt or have Kyle come back and sign the bumper. <laughs> yeah, they can make a couple bucks off that, I'm sure. So what, the, the delay lasted like a little over an hour? Yeah, roughly. Um, they They did call that to end up being the competition caution too, so... Um, now when they come back from this, they do say, uh, pretty much they announced that, uh, they may have to shorten the distance depending on how things go. 
And that kind of depends on if there's cautions and so on and so forth too. And um, Joey has this um, two lap penalty. Um, and it was really interesting because they had a camera in the car. He was one of the in-car cams to begin with. And they show the video of the guy reaching into the engine. Now, whether he adjusted something to that point or not down there, he opened that flap and he put his arm in there. And you know what? That's a no-no. Now, um, it was an amazing day for the for the 22 car, though, because if you think about it, uh, they come on pit road, they find that little chunk of rubber that was, was causing the problems with the throttle and so forth. And they end up two laps down with the penalty. But as the day goes on, he's in the right place for the lucky dogs at the right times. And he gets himself on the lead lap. And as we see at the end, he's there, you know. Yeah, really unfortunate circumstances for what they happened. It was kind of comical just the way that it was caught on camera. So it was a really easy call for NASCAR to make. But um, I would say, I mean, I, I guess in this case that the debris was lodged in there and he wasn't able to actually go wide open with the throttle. But anything that has to do with the throttle in general, you don't want to mess around, um, especially at that track with some of the history that it's had there. So it's just, um, it was just unfortunate for Joey, but they totally were able to battle back by the end of this race. And uh, possibly he, you know, as good as he was, he could have been a contender. It's one of those things that um, we've talked about in weeks past with Ryan and the, their team, when they have something tragic happen, uh, rebounding from it and, and being in championship form to get yourself back, you know, up into the, into the mix and, and with a good finish. So, you know, they, once again, the Penske guys did that, did a good job with that. Um, so they come to the restart here. The choose cone, the leader is the nine at this point, um, takes the bottom and Ryan takes the high. And they restarted at lap uh, 23. Um, Kurt ends up taking the lead uh, a couple laps after that, and Ryan is in fifth. By uh, lap 27, he passes the 48, and he's up to fourth. And then uh, within the next lap or so, he passes the one, and he's up into third. Uh, at lap 30, they tell me he's the fastest car on the track, which is always good news. Um, and at lap 32, there's a caution for the 38 car. And 20, uh, 22 gets one of his laps back at this point. And he tells them he's just a tiny bit tight, which, you know, in weeks past, the adjustment has been a little bit bigger swing than that. Usually this one, they're just talking like about air pressure. Uh, I mean, not even air pressure, but uh, tape. He's asking about temperatures and stuff, but it's quickie yellow and they're staying out. Uh, they don't want to lose the track position at this point. Uh, Juice Cone is the leader is the nine. He goes high. Ryan goes high also. Um at lap uh, 42, he passes the 20. He's up to second. And uh, lap 47, he's six tenths back of the nine. And two laps later, four tenths back of the nine. And uh, he's coming, coming. You know, at lap 55, lap traffic starts happening. So how you're navigating, you know, lap traffic uh, here for the nine is is real important. He's about uh, four tenths back of the nine uh, at lap 55. So uh, within six laps, seven laps here. Yep. Lap 62. He passes the nine, takes the lead. And, uh, you know, within four laps, he's uh, got a one second lead. So that's how much faster than the nine he was. Once he got to him, got by him. Uh, Josh tells him there's, um, only car matching his lap times is the two car. So the other Penske car is the only car that's really running with him at this point. The two cars running third with a couple laps to go. Uh, they, like I said, they ask for a temp check with a lap or two to go and, uh, Ryan wins stage one. And, uh, this is a huge, uh, you know, these stage points end up, end up being worth what five playoff points when they rerun realign, uh, 
for the playoffs. So, big, uh, big deal. Big, big deal, deal to win a stage. I was excited, especially, I mean, they had a strong run, uh, at least a decent run the week before, and then prior to that, you know, they stumbled a little bit. So just, the, you know, that gaining that momentum back again. I thought they kind of had it after those two Pocono races. Um, but, yeah, once again, uh, the way that they were able to, to just show the speed. I know it wasn't, you know, a mile and a half track or anything, but able to show the speed as an entire team at this point and go out there and win a stage and huge. It was good to see him just drive up through, through people, by people, like it was no problem. Um, you know, it shows that Penske's gaining on some things. Uh, the discussion is a little loose on, on entry, tight center, but good drive off. And like I said, they just put a little bit of tape on there. That's, that's the only real adjustment they make. Um, they, uh, you know, they went in first, but out sixth. Now, TV did cover, they didn't show it, but they at least found out why. Um, they, had a, they had a gun malfunction. <laughs> These guns that uh, NASCAR gives them the guns, they don't buy their own guns. They don't, you know, they, they're assigned to them and uh, the thing failed on them. So that's, that's actually what happened. It had nothing to do with, uh, you know, any real mistakes. Just uh, what they should do is tell them that there's a gun malfunction at the end of the race too. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> <laughs> they might have needed that this time. That's probably what it was, right? Okay, that's probably what it was. That's what I'm saying. They didn't, they didn't miss the lug nut. It was the gun malfunction on them. So anyway, you know the the, the uh, I was commenting with a friend of mine, uh, Jerry Mariotti. I see him on uh, Monday nights. He's a former, you know, he's a Blaniac from way back when, and you know he mentions this, uh, you know, one this playoff point that they got, and it what it literally does is it moves Ryan two two positions up in the playoff standings, as we'll find out by the end of the day. So uh, at lap eighty six, he's in sixth, and he's you know past the tw- forty two, the twenty, and the five during this time period because he kind of lost a little bit on the restart there. At lap ninety eight, he passes the eight uh, up to fifth, and uh, lap one hundred two, he says he needs to turn better. In, and he says in the PJ1. So I guess they're using where the PJ1 used to be as kind of a marker on where, the, where they're running the car. At lap 116, uh, they run a new line there, and they're two-tenths better. Todd tells him the two is loose in and off, just to kind of give him a comparison on, on what they're doing. At lap 120, um, he is uh, about a half second back of the two. Todd's talking to Ryan about adjustments and st- is asking, are they still tight center? He says, yeah. At lap 127, there's a caution for the double zero in the wall. And Todd says, we'll do a little bit of air pressure to help with the turn. Uh, they're pitting four tires and fuel. Um, they go in fifth and out ninth here. And Todd's uh, apologizing for something that happened in the pits there. Now, this one here, we don't get a report about what happened. But, uh, you know, once again, Todd says something about having to clean it up. And uh, the, the Ryan just says 10 four. So Ryan's so focused on what he's got to do. He's not really worried about what's going on in there. He's going to do what he has to do once he gets back on the track. Um, choose cone. He's ninth. And the leader is the four and it takes the top. Ryan also takes the top. So the lower line's the better line, but the leader likes to take that top line on the restart and kind of pin the bottom line down a little bit. Lap 139, he's up to seventh. And there's caution for the 23 and the 17. They stay out. The 22 gets his lap, other lap back, so he's back on the lead lap now, you know, halfway through the race. Uh, choose Cone, uh, they're seventh, and the leader takes the top. Ryan also takes the top. On the restart, in one lap, he gets from seventh to fifth. And at lap 150, he passes the tenth for fourth. At lap 155, he is uh, about two and a half seconds back of the leader, which is Brad at this point, and about four tenths back of third place, which is uh, the 11 car. 
at lap 158, he passes that 11 car and gets to third. Uh, lap 160, he's a half, one and a half seconds back of second, which is the four car. Uh, Harvick is showing up pretty good in the race here. Um, three seconds back of first place, you know, which is Brad. At lap 170, uh, they're about seven tenths back of second place. At lap 172, they ask for the temp check because they know they're getting the end of the stage. Uh, stage two winner is Brad, and Ryan is uh, third place in the stage, which is a great uh, amount of stage points. If you're not going to win a stage, uh, you know, that top three or four positions is pretty good. Todd does a little more tape and an air adjustment here. They pit third, and they're out third. So once again, the, the pit crew got it back together, and the rest of the race, they do a pretty good job here. Um, NASCAR has no comment on the ending here. Um, but they do come out at some point here and say that uh, they're going to give a 10 to go when they're, when they're near the end of the race. Uh, they don't know what lap it'll be, but they're going to tell you when it's 10 to go, and there's no overtime. They're gonna, so when they say 10 to go, whatever happens after that point, if there is a caution, it could end under the caution. Chuscone is the, you know, the leader, it's the two. He goes high, and Ryan goes low here, um, which... <laughs> you know, puts him right in the front row on the inside line. It's pretty quiet on the radio here, but uh, by lap 197, he passes him for the lead. And um, the communication between Josh at this point is incredible. You're watching TV and you're seeing them. They were neck and neck or Ryan was right in front of him and Ryan was running the high line and Brad was getting into him and all that's going on. But J Josh the whole time, is so calm, collected, and just reporting back to Ryan on what's behind him. Just letting him know he's doing this, he's doing this, he's doing that, he's doing this. He's to your rear quarter. He's, you know, and it's never like overexcitable. It doesn't, and it's great little voice in your ear, basically just kind of like letting you drive and doing what you got to do. But he, he gives him such great information um, during these laps. It's incredible. This whole uh, section of the race was so intense. We could talk about being on the edge of your seat. I was actually on the edge of my seat watching this part. Um, I knew just based on the runs that Ryan had earlier in the race. I'm like, if he could just get out away from him a little bit, he'll drive away. He, it, that did eventually happen. You'll probably talk about that. Um, mm -hmm. But it was just like, oh, you didn't know, and you weren't really sure what Brad was going to do. Brad, bumped, like you said, bumped into him a couple of times. One time hit him pretty good, but it, it seemed like he backed off um, between the radio and the TV guys. Uh, describing this this part, you know, they were kind of excited because you don't always see teammates really drive this way, but they were kind of driving each other pretty clean, uh, just intensely, and um, it was fun. I mean, that, that of racing, you know, that's kind of what you want to see, but it was really fun to watch. Um, glad that at this point, you know, Ryan was performing really, really well, and um, this week so far, I know it's only been a couple of days since the race, but just, you know, reading recaps of the race and listening to, you know, the callers on, you know, the radio shows and stuff so far, this is kind of the part that they're talking about um, when they talk about the race as a whole being good. So mm -hmm. intense section, um, but fun to watch. Yeah. Um, at lap 205, Brad passes him. And then within that lap, basically, Ryan passes him back. Um, Ryan does ask about Brad's line in each corner. So he kind of wants to know where he can cut him off basically, or, or if he can run the same line and kind of keep him behind him. Uh, lap 210, the four is gaining on all this. <laughs> While the two of them are racing, Harvick is actually coming a little bit here. But Ryan does get in front, and at lap 211, he's got six tenths of a lead. And at lap 215, he runs into lap traffic. 
at lap 224. Uh, he's got seven tenths of lead on the two. <laughs> I wrote in parentheses here. Can we call this already? <laughs> I thought it was dark enough at that point. Uh, I, I talked to Josh on Mondays a lot of time, get a little uh, you know, background report sometimes. And he said the same thing. He says, well, lap 230 would have been perfect. But, uh, you know, lap 227, he's got a 1.1 second lead on the two. At uh, lap 230, Josh does tell him they're not sure what they're going to get yet. They're not, they have not reported 10 laps to go just yet. So not sure if we're going to go through a green flag pit cycle here or what. Uh, lap 241, the 10 is coming. Now, you know, although we're, we, we led a bunch of laps in this race, won a stage, and Ryan did so great racing with Brad, the truth is, is the 10 car at this point is the best car in the race. And, um, you know, by lap 243, he's up to Ryan. He goes inside. And Ryan holds him off for, for a lap or two. Um, but at lap 245, the 10 does pass Ryan. Lap 250, they get into a green flag pit cycle, and he pits four tires, one can. Um, he's second when the cycle starts, but he loses a position or two to the two and the 20. Um, at lap 262, if it cycles three, it should be about fourth there. But there were a couple cars that hadn't pitted yet. They were kind of hoping for, you know, them to call it. Um, and Ryan asks if we're going to go all the way at this point, because, you know, they've, you know, however many laps, the sunlight and so forth. Um, Todd tells them it's going to be close. Uh, 267, uh, he passes the 24 for fifth. And uh, the, the 21 does pit. He ends up at fourth at that point. Um, Lap 282, there's, they finally give him the 10 to go. And lap 284, um, the 10, the 22, the 12, the 22, and the 4. So he's getting pressure from the 22 at this point. And at lap 285, the 22 does pass Ryan. Um, they didn't show that one on TV, so I'm not really sure what happened. Um, but, uh, you know, everybody's, everybody's kind of racing like maniacs at that point. Cause they don't know what's going to happen. I think he just had such a good car. So obviously at this point, that's when Joey gets, has gotten back on the lead lap lap. There's been enough, uh, cautions for that to happen. And much like that 10 car, cause the 10 car started deep in the field, uh, early in the race. So much like the 10, Joey drove his way pretty methodically back up through there. So, mm-hmm. um, I think that's why I said earlier, if Joey didn't have that mishap early in the race, that it might've been all three Penske cars battling for the lead during that midsection. So impressive yeah. run. Uh, lap uh, 287's P5, lap 291, uh, the four is actually batting with the four, holding on to fifth there. Uh, the 10 wins, and they do finish fifth. It's a great finish. Uh, Penske cars, uh, the two finishes third, the 22 fourth, and the 12 fifth, and the 21 was 11th. So all the cars prepared by Penske, uh, you know, almost all of them in the top 10 there. And uh, like I said, this gets them that extra bonus point there. So they're now sixth place in the playoff standings. And uh, what a great race. Uh, like I said, the, the, knowing that the speed is there and that what they got to do is there, it, it's, a, it's a great comfort heading into the playoffs. Didn't get to see it on TV, um, but I know, I mean, there was a point when Harvick had passed Ryan, at least based on the ticker, and Ryan passed him back, and it, they were kind of at a dead heat, it seemed like, that whole last lap. And um, Christopher Bell was catching... Eric Almarola, so obviously they are going to be focused on that race. So I understand why they didn't really show that battle to the the line, but it really uh, would have been interesting to see Ryan actually. Rob, what happened there? Like, did they make any contact? Did they race clean? I, I don't know. So, um, but in the end, Ryan was able to eke out that top five finish, which back to back top fives for this five, twelve team. 
five, six, five, and five the last four races. So yeah, and just with that one, um, just had that one rough race of a what twentieth place finish, I think. Yeah, in the, the, in the uh, middle of there at, at, oh, sorry, at Road yeah. America. So, yeah, but yeah, I've you're already, right though. I've already blocked that out. <laughs> but that's a lot of momentum there. Yeah, five, six, twentieth, mm-hmm. five, and five. That puts him at. Uh, five top fives on the season, 11 top tens, including uh, that one victory. So um, I've been doing a little bit looking at the stats this year because I know it started out kind of slow. Then they had a little bit of a slow, a little bit of a slump in the middle there for a little bit. Um, going back to 2020, he had the one victory, ended the season with 11 top fives and 17 top tens, which was one fewer top ten than 2019. So, um he did catch fire after they fell out of the first round of the playoffs. He did catch fire and did get, did get a lot of his you know good finishes after that. So um, they historically finished pretty well there. So I think there's still time. I don't know why I'm so caught up on comparing his stats from the you know the previous years. I mean, you always want to be better. So there's still plenty of time. But at this point in the year, again, one win, five top fives, 11 top tens. Um, he's a little bit down in laps led. He has 295 laps led so far this year. Um, so has a little bit of ways to go, but he is trending right now at, um, his best average finish. He's at 13.1 in average finish for 2021. Um, in comparison to the last couple of years in 2020, he ended at 13.8 in 2019. He is at 13.7. So, um, Overall, big picture wise, he actually is is finishing better, um, but just I know some of those races, you know, kind of just outside the top five. So um, I don't know. I think they could put up a few more top fives throughout the rest of this year. I'm still kind of holding out hope that they'll they'll better their statistics and have another strong run through the playoffs. Hopefully, including a really strong run through that first round. Yeah, let's you know get from round to round, and then all you got to do is win one more race at the end if you, if you get that far. So. Yeah, the, to get through that first round, um, everything sets up good after that. Uh, we know that for sure. Um, and really, truthfully, the penalty last year in the first round is what killed them. I mean, if they don't have the penalty, who knows how it goes. So, um, yeah, this is a good uh, next couple weeks here heading into the playoffs. That looks like Penske has caught up, caught the ground they need to catch up and uh, give those Hendrick boys some trouble. And just taking a look at one last thing, um, Point standings-wise, Ryan sits in the eighth position in the driver standings, 185 points back of the leader, uh, the points leader. So um, still sitting pretty well in those standings, and as you mentioned, with that extra stage win, another playoff point uh, in the cap there, it's really helping that um, the playoff position that they're going to go into, which will be very, very important as we move on. So, again, congratulations to uh, this number 12 team. Todd Gordon, Ryan Blaney, Josh Williams, the spotter, uh, being his eyes in the sky there for another great finish, second top five, top five finish in a row at the Foxwoods Resort Casino 301 at New Hampshire Motor Speedway. Why don't we take a trip back through the history of NASCAR? This week in NASCAR history. First up for this week in NASCAR history, we're going back to July 23rd, 1950. Curtis Turner records his fourth victory of the year in the 100-mile NASCAR Grand National race at Charlotte Speedway. Lee Petty, who ranked third in point standings, had all 809 points removed by NASCAR. During the three-week lull, Petty competed in a non-sanctioned stock car race, and NASCAR decided to strip all of his points for failing to compete within the NASCAR sanctioning 
boundaries. Oh, shouldn't that have happened to Chase this back? Right? Yep. (laughs) Oops. (laughs) There'd be a lot of guys losing points these days. Yeah, Larson too. Up next, we have July 24th, 1954. Bill France Jr. crashes his Nash on the 25th lap of the NASCAR Short Track Division event at Bowman Gray Stadium in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. France Jr. was making his second start of the season. It became the last of his career. Up next, we have July 20th, 1962. Joe Weatherly captures the 100-mile Grand National at Savannah Speedway. African-American driver Wendell Scott earns his first career pole position in qualifications and finishes eighth. Moving on to July 25th, 1982, Bobby Allison outduels Daryl Waltrip in the final laps of the Mountain Dew 500 at Pocono for his fifth win of the season. Dale Earnhardt survives a tumble on the 136th lap after tangling with Tim Richmond. And then finally, July 23rd, 2000. Rusty Wallace takes advantage of Jeremy Mayfield's misfortune and wins the Pennsylvania 500, taking the lead on the final lap. Mayfield's victory bid is thwarted when he suffers a flat tire, allowing Wallace to take his second win of the season. That's it for this week in NASCAR history. Tune in to the next episode of the podcast as we'll take you on another trip through the history of NASCAR. So, Steve, coming off this weekend at New Hampshire Motor Speedway, why don't we take a look back at the results from the Team Blaney NASCAR Fantasy Live League, taking a look back at the standings from the most points earned during the race. And first, we have a tie. Cool Guy 2K with 233 points. And also David Lazaro with 233 points. And third, we had Vans 12. And fourth, we had Rogue Tough, also a tie here for fourth. And Frank Blaniak is the other one there with 211 points. And I'll just go down to six because I like this one. Clyde's Chicken Pit Racing in six with 209 points earned at New Hampshire Motor Speedway. Roster-wise, I had a really solid team, I thought, and I'll go through it. Um, Tyler Reddick, who did okay, got me 33 points. Christopher Bell had a great race, 40 points. My only kind of down driver on this list was William Byron, only got me 16 points. But then I started Brad Keselowski, who got me 53, and Ryan Blaney, who got me 50. I had Kyle Busch in the garage, and obviously he stayed in my garage. Uh, But this is where it really fell apart for me. And oddly enough, this is where I've been kind of making grounded fantasies through the bonus picks. But this week, did not get a single bonus pick. I had the race winner as Kyle Busch, had the top Chevrolet as Chase Elliott, at the top Ford is Ryan Blaney, which almost seemed like that was going to work out, but so many Fords finished in the top 10 that uh, that didn't work out so well. Top Toyota, I had Kyle Busch. Winning manufacturer, I had Toyota. Winning team, I had Joe Gibbs, Joe Gibbs Racing. So I had kind of put all of my eggs in one Toyota basket with Kyle Busch, and it did not work out for me, but I had a really solid starting lineup. How did it, how did it turn out for you? Well, I had Bill. I had Kozlowski at Harvick, who had great finishes. Um but I had, uh, I had Kyle Busch <laughs> and, uh, when he hit the wall, I put Truex in his place. Cause that's who I had in the garage. So I, I had two guys that basically were in the first incident of the race. Um, Truex did rebound from it a little bit, finished 12th, but, uh, yeah, this kind of ruined the day. And, and I thought for some reason that a Hendricks car was going to win. So I had a bunch of Hendricks things lined up and, uh, no, the Fords, uh, were all up in the front, uh, 
except for Christopher Bell there. They were all Fords up front. Yeah, that was, I mean, good. Good for Ford. <laughs> good for yes. Team Penske and the rest of the gang. Uh, bad for our predictions when it came to the fantasy lineup. So um, let's take a look at the overall league standings for the Team Blaney NASCAR Fantasy Live League. And first, we have Clyde's Chicken Pit Racing with 4,363 points. Closing in, in second, we have Doug K0525. In third, we have Moon Cup. In fourth, we had Blaney Kicks Beep. I appreciate that you stuck with that last week during the fantasy recap. Uh, in fifth, we have uh, yours, not yours truly, but uh, Mez truly, Mez12, uh, with 4,213 points. In sixth, we have Glitterbugs. In seventh, we have Rogue Tough. In eighth, we have Go Larson. In ninth, we have Vans12. Rounding out the top 10 is a Dalai Lama 4 with 4,112 points. And I'm pleased to say, even with some of my stumbles with bonus picks this week, I moved up to the 22nd position. Team Blaney Admin, 3,841 points. Closing down on the top 20. Closing the gap. Uh, uh, Doug, uh, 0525 there is, what, four points out of first. So Closing a, in. It's a battle right there for first. I don't know if I can get there from, from where I'm at now. <laughs> we'll see, but you do. You have been holding down the top five for quite a while. So, Steve, normally we would, uh, at this point in the podcast, kind of jump into a preview of the next week's race. But, in this case, the NASCAR Cup Series is going to be off for the next couple of weekends because NBC is going to be covering that little event called the Olympics that I think a couple of people watch here and there. Um, <laughs> so, uh, But we do still have some more Blaney-related things to talk about, the first of which being Dave Blaney, the Buckeye Bullet, was at Eldora this past week competing in two sessions, two events, at the King's Royal at Eldora Speedway up there in uh, the homeland of Ohio. So um, this was a, an event weekend where you actually did get to go and see a little bit of this, but I just kind of wanted to run down Dave's results. And a little of this is confusing. Uh, because of the pandemic last year, the King's Royal was postponed. So they decided this year that they were going to run the 37th King's Royal and the 38th King's Royal in the same week. Um, but the 38th King's Royal was going to be run on Thursday, if I'm correct. And then the 37th was going to be run on Saturday. A lot of that just had to do with scheduling and tickets and, and some various things there. So they did run into some rain issues at that track uh, over, the, over the week for this race. So um, even with all of that, the 38th King's Royal still ended up running actually before the 37th, right? Correct. It was Saturday afternoon, and then the 37th was Saturday night. Yeah, so a little bit confusing in the fact that the 38th winner was crowned before the 37th winner. Um, but I just kind of give you a rundown of how Dave kind of competed over the weekend there. So for the 38th Kings Royal, uh, which actually ran first, Dave was fifth in hot laps uh, with an uh, average lap of 13.518. He was second in qualifying at 13.345. He started uh, in Heat 2. He finishes 5th in the Heat. Now, normally the top 3 would transfer to the A-Main. In this case, Dave, due to his 2nd place position in qualifying, transfers into the A-Main. But he ended up finishing in the 20th position. Tyler Courtney ended up winning and being crowned the 38th champion of the King's Royal. Then we tune in 
to the next episode, um, kind of going back in time a little bit, to the 37th Kings Royal. And this was an event you got to attend over the weekend to be there uh, to cheer on the Buckeye Bullet and take in some sprint car racing. Was this your first time at a dirt track this year, or have you been out to, to anywhere else? Actually, this was, yeah, this year this was the first time. Um, I have been to Eldora in years past. Um, company I work for used to do some promotional things with the GM, and we used to go down there for uh, the Prelude uh, and the Dream Weekend and a couple other events. But, uh, yeah, this was the first one this year that we've been down there. So, Dave, for the 37th edition of the Kings Royal, he was ninth fastest in hot laps, 12th fastest in qualifying, finished sixth in his heat, and finished 12th in the B main. So unfortunately, he did not transfer into the A main for this race. But outside of that, still ended up being a pretty exciting race and with a pretty familiar face ending up in victory lane. Yeah. Um, Tyler, uh, who won in the afternoon, ends up in the sixth heat race. And if he wins the sixth heat race, he starts on the pole. So he had a chance to double up. It's $175,000 to the winner, and he had a chance to double up to start the race. Uh, but, uh, yeah, the racing itself was great. The place was packed. Um, and Kyle Larson, uh, it was amazing. I don't know how else to explain it, but he started like the fourth or the fifth row, and by halfway through, it was a 40-lap feature, halfway through the feature, uh, he was all the way up to third, and the top two guys at that point were battling each other. And sure enough, as soon as Larson got to them, he passed both of them and checked out and then just passed all the lap traffic. He ran a line that was incredible. It was coming out of turn four, down along the inside wall, all the way toward the flag stand, banging to the left, all the way down to the inside wall in turn one. And he just kind of diamond that thing and just ran that. And as long as nobody got in his way, he ran lap times that were so fast that nobody could stay with them. Um, you know, and if you ever get a chance to see, you know, Dave run, uh, Dave is incredible. I think the car had issues as, as the day went on, and that's part of what, why he had an issue. But Kyle Larson right now, if you get a chance to see him in the next year or so on, on dirt, go do it. Yeah, definitely exciting to see the Buckeye Bullet back out there again. Again, he has that World of Outlaws victory earlier this year at Sharon Speedway. Um, had some uh, issues in the Lou Blaney Memorial, um, mechanical-wise, I think, after he possibly kind of came into contact with a tire at the track. Um, kind of uh, did so-so this weekend at Eldora, but, you know, the more that, you know, us Blaney fans gets to see Dave out there and race, I don't know, it's just so nostalgic, and it's just the fact that he can still compete. I mean, he still made the A-Main uh, of that 38th edition of the race, so that's still going out there and competing against the best of the best. Uh, in sprint car racing, and Dave is still able to do that. Exciting to see that. And Kyle Larson, I mean, there's just hands down um, talent-wise. Man, I can't think of somebody else. Um, maybe a Kyle Busch or something like that that's just so good. They're untouchable at points. But Kyle, the difference with him is he can jump into almost anything. He jumped into a dirt late model last year for the first time and I think still found victory lane, at least in one of those races while he was off. So um, it's you have to see it in person. It's, it's impressive. And, um, he's showing what he can do on the NASCAR side as well this year with Hendrick Motorsports and very, very top tier equipment, um, that he can win there too. So, um, if he gets on another streak, he'll be dangerous, but he's definitely the king of the dirt world and was crowned the king of the, the 37th Kings Royal. So also 
we talked a little bit about, you know, I was out last weekend, went on a little bit of vacation up into Georgia, spent the weekend at Atlanta Motor Speedway. So I did just want to kind of catch you up a little bit on my experiences there, um, kind of like how you did a little bit when you went up to Elkhart Lake uh, for the road course race. So uh, first time at Atlanta Motor Speedway, what's interesting about the track to me is it really reminded me a lot of Homestead. Uh, I don't know if they was the same, you know, builders and everyone that put the track together, but just so very familiar. Just the way that the grandstands were built, the way the concession stands and restroom facilities and everything were built, um, eerily familiar. Uh, I haven't been to too many NASCAR tracks, just at this point, Daytona, Homestead, and now Atlanta. Um, so it was very familiar. Um, one just side note thing that I thought was cool was uh, one of the first, like, merchandise stands that you saw after you kind of got your tickets and things. They had, like, a little, like... I don't want to call it a flea market, but it was like a clearance tent where they had tons of Atlanta Motor Speedway merchandise, a lot of it from past races, but a lot that just said Atlanta Motor Speedway on jackets and hats and t-shirts. And I tell you what, if this was your first time to a race and you stumbled upon that tent, you know, I got a jacket for like 20 bucks and, you know, an Under Armour shirt for under that. And like they had shirts for like $5 and hats for $5. And it was like, I thought it was amazing. I, I enjoy, uh, being frugal and getting a nice clearance buy here and there. So uh, I have to say the wife and I hey, came home with a full wardrobe of Atlanta Motor Speedway gear uh, after going back to that tent twice because we went the, the first day for the Xfinity race and then back again for the cup race. Um, I heard I heard you got a new Suarez shirt. <laughs> I did. I might have. Uh, that wasn't at the – I'd pay full price for that. So um, uh, <laughs> she's really spreading that around. I've heard that from other people. <laughs> so – um yeah don't tell uh don't tell the other blaney fans i guess it's too late um so yeah but yeah merchandise wise that you know everything top notch their fan zone was great um one really cool thing was just the fact that they had a driver's uh q a stage back again i know they've had that maybe in a couple of other tracks some other places it's still been virtual uh we were able to take in a q a session with kurt bush uh among others which turned out to be you know good for that because he went on to win the race the cup race later that day so really cool to see drivers back out in person interacting with the fans i saw you with larry mack i did yeah. <laughs> yeah did get the chance to meet larry mack who was one of the other people that went up onto the the driver and um uh, some other officials and stuff that got to talk and do a little q a so that was really cool to see larry and, and be able to get a chance to talk with him and then um, what the tweet up too? Have you ever been to one of the tweet ups before at a racetrack? Yeah, we try to usually get get to them whenever we can. Um, I think we were at Bristol's um, a couple years ago, but yeah, the tweet ups are a lot of fun. Jeff, uh, if Jeff's there, Jeff runs them, and if not, he tries to get Bob uh, Pockross to run them. And uh, who 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 was there actually? Who they have? Yeah, so it was actually kind of cool. It was the first time I've made it to a tweet up because at Daytona, for the most part, we are in. Uh, the fan zone. We usually get those tickets to be like in and around the garage and stuff before the race. And sometimes the tweet ups are elsewhere, like outside the track. So we miss it. But this time um, they had it out in the fan zone outside of the track. And we, that's where we were before this race at Atlanta. So Jeff Gluck was there. Bob Pockers was there. And then they had the three uh, spotters from door bumper clear. So Freddie Kraft and tj majors and i always forget the third <laughs> the third spotter there uh, though i think he's only part-time now so um they kind of talked a little bit about their podcast and there's a lot of fans there um the other really cool thing about the weekend was i had a couple of listeners from our podcast reach out to me um 
when they kind of realized that, you know, I was posting photos from on site. So I just wanted to give a shout out to Justin Hughes, who reached out to me. Unfortunately, our paths never actually crossed, but I believe he was at the race. And then Bobby LaPierre, um, we met at the tweet up. Uh, it seemed like a good spot to meet up for. Got to talk a little bit uh, about, you know, being Blaney fans. Um, met some of the folks that he brought to the race with him as well. So it was really, really cool uh, to actually see somebody uh, outside of our, you know, our own worlds around us that are, you know, that are that are listeners of the podcast and really, really appreciate uh, Bobby and Justin reaching out to me while I'm at the track. So um, open invitation to uh, we'll be at Daytona uh, by we. I mean, at least the wife and I, I don't know if Steve will fly down, um, but <laughs> we'll be at Daytona coming up uh, next month. And so if any of you guys are at the race, yeah, feel free. As soon as I start posting pictures, just, you know, send a message or something. And if you're in the fan zone, before the race, yeah, we can catch up and talk a little bit about being a Blaney fan. Maybe we'll s- sit around his garage stall. So I think that's really pretty much it. I think we're going to take a little bit of a break here, just as the Cup Series is taking a break for a couple of weeks. But we will be back at least with a preview episode of the race at Watkins Glen. We're going road course racing again. Yeah, I actually uh, can't wait. Uh, this uh, Watkins Glen's coming up, and uh, the, the uh, Indianapolis Motor Speedway uh, road course will be coming up in a couple weeks, too. So, yeah, a lot of fun going left and right, and if it rains, who cares? Let's put the rain tires on. Let's go get it. If you're looking for some more content to listen to, please go back and listen a few episodes ago to when we talked to Aaron Blaney from the Ryan Blaney Family Foundation, did a really cool interview with her uh, talking about the foundation and talking about her and how she became uh, the you know the leading person behind all of that. Um, so if you're looking for something to listen to next week, take a listen to that. And then also you can go back for the week after that when we'll be out and find any of those episodes where we had Josh Williams on Ryan Blaney Spotter. Every single one of those was amazing. Lots of fun details. Um, some stuff that you won't always see or hear about from races. Uh, the first episode that we had on with him really just talks about him and his career and how became, he became a spotter, what it's like being a spotter, what it's like working with Ryan. So we'll probably be um, reposting some things about those and links to those episodes over the next couple of weeks. And if you've missed out, if you know this is the first episode you're listening to, be sure to kind of go back through our feed and uh, see some some of the interesting interviews that we've been able to bring to the Team Blaney podcast. So I think that's that's about it. So thank everyone for tuning in to this episode of the Team Blaney podcast. If you'd like to learn more about myself or co-host Steve, please listen to our first episode that really dives deep into how we both became fans of the Blaney racing family. If you'd like to interact with us on Twitter, you can find us at Team Blaney. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Team Blaney. Don't forget to also download, rate, and subscribe to the Team Blaney podcast on the Apple, Google, iHeartRadio, and Spotify apps. Once again, to close out the show, I want to remind you to check out the Ryan Blaney Family Foundation. This organization, established in 2018, supports causes that have closely impacted the Blaney family, including the Alzheimer's Association and UPMC Sports Medicine. You can find out more about the Ryan Blaney Family Foundation on its website, ryanblaneyfamilyfoundation.org, or on Twitter, at rbfamfoundation, and finally on Facebook at facebook.com slash rbfamilyfoundation. For my co-host Steve Mez, I'm Adam Rogers. We'll catch you next time on the Team Blaney Podcast. Good night, Belgium. Good night, Belgium.